Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We are excited that you came across this message. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Do us a favor and text New to Hope to 94090. After you hit send, you'll get an immediate response from our team with a link to a short form for you to fill out so we can get to know you better. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the sermon. Well, if you've got a copy of God's Word, I'd like you to go to the Gospel of Luke and go to chapter 7. And while you're turning that, let me just tell you what a thrill it is for my wife, Miss Jenny, over here, and I to be here to celebrate with you, pastoring people with, uh, with Vance and with Christy and uh, with the family for 20 faithful years as your pastor. Can I just tell you how honored I am to be here in your presence and to be here with uh, Vance and Christy and the family and then, of course, his dad, who is my hero one of the favorite preachers of my life right here, sitting on the front row, Bob Pittman. And uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 10.1 that a wise son makes a glad father. And I'm going to tell you, it does, doesn't it, Bob? And it does. Makes a wise, makes a glad mother, too. And I want you to know, let me just say this right now about your pastor here. This is way out right now, their comfort zone. Can I just tell you this? Now, they, they love to give, and they will give till they drop. But listen, just you pouring on them and you loving on them and, and surprising them at every service. And by the way, this, this thing's not going to, it's not done. I mean, this is just the beginning. And, uh, and that is because of your grace. Can I just tell you something? Where there is a place of grace, there's always a face of gratitude. And you are people who are grateful for your pastor. For 20 years, he has set the food in front of you and fed you so very, very well. And you are benefactors of that. And I want you to know that he doesn't just feed you. He feeds pastors like this guy right here all and all over the world. Can you just one more time, can we just say for the faithfulness of God's word that he had been doing? Now, if you would, I'd like to stand together just in honor of God's Word. Could we do that? I know we've been standing a lot tonight, but just one more time in honor of God's Word. And I, I want to I I tell you a story about a mealtime because I've been thinking about your pastor. And, and before we walk out of here, here's the whole thing I want. I want to tell you tonight why I love Jesus. I want to tell you tonight why I love your pastor, Miss Christie, and this family through God's Word. But I want to tell you something else. I want to tell you why I love this place, this place called Hope. And it's found in a story, and it's found in a story about a mealtime. Now, you know, it's been a tough year, mealtimes. I mean, some folks have even had to learn to cook again. You, got, you had to stay home. And, and if you're one of those guys that you think a royal date is, you know, Burger King and Dairy Queen, you, you might, you know, it, you've got a long way to come. And... Uh, Great things happen around meals. And I want to tell you a story tonight about a mealtime. And I want to talk to you about saying grace. Saying grace. Look at verse 36. Follow the story with me. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that she was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now, 
When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. He said, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 in their eye and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, now, which of them would love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. He said, you've judged rightly. And then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she's wet my feet with her hair, with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, for she loved much, are forgiven. But he who has forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You may be seated and may God add his blessing upon his word. I like that. You guys even clap when you read the Bible around here. <laughs> now understand this about a mealtime. When I was a kid, we had a, we, we had a plaque that hung over the kitchen table. And that plaque in our kitchen said this, Jesus Christ is the head of the house. The silent listener to every conversation, the unseen host at every meal, and he was. Now, that kept us from having pride preacher on Sunday. That, that kept us from talking bad about each other and about our neighbors because that was a powerful, powerful statement. Here's what you need to understand in this story. There's more going on in this story than you think. There's some things going on here you may not pick up right away. Now, you've got to understand, they didn't sit down at a kitchen table like you and I sat down. They sat down at a table called a triclinium. You hear the word tri, it's three, it was three-sided, and it was, it was a low kind of table. And if you ever saw one, you, you could never forget it. That triclinium, they would, they would lean on their left elbow, and their, their cheek would actually be in the chest of the person next to them, which left the feet right at the nose of the person right to them. It was called a triclinium, and that's how they ate. They didn't eat like you eat. That's, this, that's what they do. They would, they would gather. They would gather in this place. Now, here's what you need to understand. You need to understand that in the first century, there is some social etiquette that is not happening. Every culture has its social graces. Every culture has its etiquette. And if you've ever been traveling worldwide, if you've ever been on a mission trip, if you ever know, one thing they'll teach you is you could either grace your family and grace your church, or you could disgrace your family and disgrace your church if you fail to keep some of the social graces. Now, what you've got here, listen to me, what you've got here is going to be pretty obvious to everybody who knows the story. Now, you, you don't see it, but it's there. I wonder, as I come to, to, to Las Vegas, I just wonder tonight how much grace and how much social etiquette is in this room. I mean, I look at you, look like you all have social graces, and you look like you have etiquette. So I, I thought maybe what we'd do, just kind of warm us up before we jump in this text full stream. Why don't we just take a little quiz? It's from Emily Post, by the way. It, it's some etiquette here. 
So, so let, me, let me just, let's just ask some questions and let's just, let's just walk through this. I'm going to say, this is an all-skate thing. Everybody has to do it, all right? So, so here we are. Here's the first question. When should one start eating the main course at a formal dinner? After the hostess is seated? After the hostess lifts her fork? After three or four people are served? Or as soon as humanly possible? Now, let me ask you, how many would say it's after the host is seated? Come on, all skate. Raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Don't, listen, don't be embarrassed. I, I, after uh, the hostess lifts her fork, how many say that? Yeah, ooh, 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 how about that? How about how, after three or four people are served? Okay. All right. As soon as humanly possible. Yeah, I'm into your house. Yeah. Hey, the correct answer may surprise you. Here's the correct answer. Ready? Ah, you don't have as much grace as you think you've got. How about this one? How about this one? What do you do when the person across the table has food stuck in their front teeth? Oh, come on, look at this. Do you intentionally stare at the food to make them aware? You pick between your own teeth, hoping they get the gesture? You ask them if they're, this is my favorite, if they are saving some for later. Do you casually let them know? Or none of the above, you don't do anything. Here's the correct answer. It's none of your business. It's just, not, I mean, Emily Pope, it's none of your business. Now, they don't know my wife. My wife's going to tell you, hey, pal, you got something right there. How about this one? Is it polite to ask others to pray before a meal at your house? Here, here's the first. The host should always be the one to say grace. Or how about this one? Ask the person who prays the best to pray. <laughs> hey, here's one of my favorites. Put your pastor on speakerphone. Ask him to pray. Huh? Or how about this one? Don't pray because you might offend. How many say the host should always say grace? Raise your hand. You do that. Let me give you the correct answer. The correct answer is this. The host should always say grace. Now, if you've got grandkids, you can throw that rule right out there, man. Because nobody prays better than, than they do. Let, let, me give you, let me give you another one. What's the correct response, response when someone's cell phone goes off in church? Now, this is not about a meal, but I thought we ought to just talk about this and get it out of here, all right? <laughs> here it is. Here it is. Look annoyingly at the person and shake your head in frustration. Make your ringtone a worship song just in case. <laughs> R.C., now listen, Emily Post, she died in 1960. <laughs> C, send the preacher a gift card. Let me tell you something. The correct answer, say it with me, is? C. Yeah, send the preacher a gift card. Now, now, let me tell you something about this story here. They're at Simon's house, and he is the leading Pharisee in the area. What in the world is Jesus even doing there anyway? Well, the custom and the etiquette was, if you were the leading Pharisee and the religious leader, you invited the visiting rabbi to your home to eat a meal. That's what he's doing. But here's what you've got to know. There's a social etiquette and a grace that goes on in this story. Everybody knows it. The, the first thing when you come to the house is that you get a reception and that you get a greeting, and that greeting is a kiss. 
And if it's an equal, you'd kiss each other. You'd just kiss on each side of the cheek. If it was someone that more important than you, you might bow and you might kiss their hand. But you always got a kiss. Jesus didn't get a kiss. The second thing is, there was always a basin of water and a pitcher at the, at the, at the door when they got there to wash their feet. I mean, with, with, with the roads and the sandals and what they had to walk through, and you're sticking your, your feet in the nose of the person next to you. You always, wa- you always washed your feet. There's no water at the door. Now, let me tell you something. This isn't because Simon doesn't know. This isn't because he's got a bad mom that has never taught him how to, how to be social uh, in, his, in his etiquette. No, no. He knows exactly what he's doing. He is intentionally and purposely doing this. There's no kiss for his cheek. There, there's, no, there, there's no water for his feet. And the third thing that would happen is you, you would always have a, a, a jar of olive oil there that was both relaxing and refreshing and renewing for you, and you'd put it on top of your head. I mean, with the body odor and the walking and the distance, it made the room smell good. But here's Jesus. He has no kiss for his cheek. He has no water for his feet. He has no oil for his head. Now, why? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus is at his house because he has to be, not because Simon wants him to be. You know why I like this place, and I've loved it for years. You know why? This is a want-to church. This isn't a have-to. You here on Thursday night because you want to be. Nobody making you be here. Nobody put a gun to your head. You want to be here. This is a have-to place. See, let me tell you something different between religion and a relationship. Why I love your pastor is he's he's not interested in making you more religious. This church is not here to make you more religious. See, religion is man reaching up, trying to, by their own works, to grab God and earn favor with God. But a relationship is God reaching down and grabbing man. And that's, that, that's what this church is all about. That's what this place is all about right here. They, they, didn't, they didn't come because they had to. Jesus is there because he has to. He has to. Which kind of makes me ask this question tonight. Why are you here? I mean, is it, is it possible that it's, it's kind of like a, the pressure of the family, a girlfriend's ultimatum? See, you can always tell religion because religion is always built on duty. It's my duty. But see, a relationship with Jesus Christ is always focused on not a duty, but a desire. A desire. And there's three things I want you to see in the story before we walk out of here tonight. Here's the first one. Simon's house focuses on goodness, but Jesus' house focuses on grace. So you'll always know when God's in the house. There's something different when God's in the house. See, let me tell you something. This woman walks in, and everybody looks at her. She doesn't look like everybody else. And she didn't come to Simon's house because she wanted to go to Simon's house. Let me tell you something. She spent all her life getting away from Simon's house. 
She came because God was in the house. And see, when God's in the house, there's always going to be a, a spirit in that house, and it's going to be a spirit of grace. Now, what's happening here is Simon here is, is just, he's just kind of doing his duty. See, she already knows she's not very good. And can I tell you something? We already know this about you and us. You're not very good either. You see, goodness always focuses on what you do, your works, checking the box, doing something good. No. No. You see, we know ourselves, don't we? We're not very good. But we also know God's word. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all of us have sinned, and all of us know that we're not good. See, the Simons, they always focus on, on goodness. But Jesus, he focuses on, on grace. Let, let, let me tell you something. The real problem here, listen, don't, don't miss this. The real problem was not that she was a sinner and Jesus didn't know it. The real problem is that Simon was a sinner and he didn't know it. That was the real problem. That was the real problem. And she walks in and he can't believe she's there. In fact, he even thinks to himself, if Jesus knew who this woman was, why, he wouldn't even have her in this house. Now, don't, don't miss the irony of this moment. Don't miss the irony of this moment. Simon ha has been to rabbinical school, and by the time that he is 12 years old, he has already memorized the first five books of the Old Testament called the Pentateuch. By the time he's 15, he's got practically the entire Old Testament memorized. He has spent his life, there are over 300 prophecies of the Messiah readily available to him, and he doesn't know the Messiah is at the table and he misses it. And here's Jesus, no kiss for his cheek, no water for his feet, no oil for his head. And I'm, 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 don't miss the irony of this. Look at the contrast. Here's a, here's a woman, She's, she, she didn't have any verses memorized. She doesn't know much about any messianic prophecies. But somewhere out there, she started hearing Jesus teach about grace. Maybe she heard that you can get a second chance. Maybe she heard Jesus talk about a woman at the well. I don't know what she heard, but she couldn't wait to get to God's house because she knew that they wouldn't be focusing on goodness, but they'd be focusing on grace. And, and Simon says, if, they, if he knew who she was, she is a sinner and that word sinner doesn't mean that just something you've done that's caused you to sin. It means that you live a lifestyle of a sinner. You keep on sinning. I mean, on her card, it said escort. Lady of the evening. Everybody knew who she was. Simon knows who she is. And kind of the first thought to all of us as you read this, because culturally we don't really get it and understand, how in the world did she even get in this house in the first place? I mean, what we do is we invite guests in and we shut everybody else out. Not, not back then. See, back then, they did, they, the walls, they, when they eat outside, the people could lean over their walls and you could see what you were eating. And she knows that Jesus is in the house, and so she goes and joins Jesus. You see... It's only when you see your goodness is worthless is when you begin to see that God's grace is priceless. 
She knows who she is. And some of you here tonight, you know exactly who you are. And you know why I love you? You're in the right place tonight. You were the right people, the right pastor. But for 20 years, they've been talking not just about hope, but they've been talking about grace. See, the focus isn't on their goodness. Focus is on grace. Look at this second thing here. The difference between Simon's house and Jesus' house is this. Simon's house looks at formality. Jesus' house loves authenticity. She wasn't dressed like everybody else, but that didn't bother Jesus. She didn't know the rules. People are staring at her, but she's seen those looks before. Boy, she knows the difference between a look of lust and a look of love all day long. She's seen it. There's a look that just makes you feel cheap. Then there's a look, look that makes you feel valued. She's seen that glare, that stare. She's seen that look of lust before. She's seen the people look at her, look down at her. Because, see, people like Simon, they're only concerned about the outside. You know why I like you? You've been to church ever since I've known you, and it always thought about people not on the outside, didn't care what color skin they had, didn't, color, didn't care what they drive, didn't care where they live. You just want to know what's going on in the inside. I'm going to tell you something I'm not real proud of. See, where people like Vance's dad, Bob Pittman, comes from, and Vance, when he grew up, and this pastor, we came from places called Bible Belt. And then the Bible Belt's different than out west. Churches there, some of them still are. They're real concerned about what you wear. You got to wear the right thing. And, and 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 back in the day when we were younger, the choirs were real big, and everybody wore choirs and had the robes, and we had these chairs. You sat on the platform, nod your head, look intelligent, if you know what I'm talking about. And the pastor sat there on those throne chairs. I was I was pastoring in Tampa, Florida. There was a guy in the choir by the name of Jim Claflin. Now, Jim was an old biker. Jim was all tatted up, and Jim had a headband on, earring in both ears. And the people out there while he was singing, they were looking and going, look, look, look. And it was bothering me. Now, it shouldn't have bothered me, but it did. I'm just telling you, I mean, confession's good for the soul. It's bad for the reputation, but it's good for the soul. So I, it was bothering me. So I went to my worship pastor, and I said, Ron, yeah, well, what's, the, what's the deal with the, the bird with the headband? He said, oh, his name's Jim and George Ed. I said, really? Well, that's, that's got to go, pal. He said, Pastor, hang on. He's been hurting about every church he's been in. If I just give him another rule, Pastor... I'm going to give you a couple of weeks, but I'm telling you, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's distracting. Now, now, before you judge me, hang on, just listen to the rest of the story, all right? I know, what, I know right now you're something right, and it's, and it's not because you're cold either. It's like, <laughs> he comes up to me one Sunday, and he says, Pastor, you think we could do lunch this, this week uh, pretty quick, because I'd like to talk to you. I said, well, you know, I'd like to talk to you, too. <laughs> that lunch wasn't anything what I thought. You know what he said to me? My, my worship pastor, he didn't out me. He never said anything to him. He just prayed about it and let it go. And I sat there at lunch, and I said, well, what do you want to talk about, Jim? He said, well, listen, one of my biker friends got killed in a bike accident this week. And they're going to have this thing called a, oh, what do they call that? 
I said, like a wake? Yeah, a wake, a wake. What is that? And he said, and I got these tracks here. And I just wanted to know, do you think it'd be okay? I don't know, because I don't know if that's proper or not. Can I hand out these tracks at that wake? So I don't want anybody to go to hell. I said, Jim, I, I think that's about the godliest thing I've ever heard. He said, Pastor, you said you wanted to talk to me. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> I said, uh, we're just so glad to have you and Georgette worshiping at Ottawa. I'll tell you, you're just a real blessing to all of us. Well, let me tell you something. Private sins, private confession. Personal sins, personal confession. But public sins, public confession. I knew what I had to do. The next Sunday morning after church, I said, folks, I want to tell you something. Your pastor has been a Pharisee and a hypocrite. And some of you know there's been something that's been bothering me. And I'd already talked to Jim about it. And I said I was more concerned about things on the outside than what was on the inside. And I'm going to ask you as your pastor, would you forgive me? You know they did. You know how I knew they did? Because that night when the choir came, all of them took their ties off and wrapped them around their head. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, this has been a place of grace and a place of hope for 20 years. You've never, ever had this place feel like a gated community. My wife and I owned a green Chevelle one time. I've seen two ugly cars in my life, and that green Chevelle was both of them. And there's this real uppity neighborhood, and I'd go visit some of our members at the church in this place called Avila, and the guy at the gate, every time I'd pull up, he'd go, and I knew what he was thinking, go on in. I got to let you in, but I don't want to let you in. You ever been in one of those places? If you're visiting here tonight, can I tell you something? You're not in one of those places. Because they, they don't, they're not looking at formality. Let, let me tell you what they love. They love authenticity. That's when God's in the house. Let me tell you the last thing. The last thing is this. Simon's house sees your past, but Jesus' house always sees your possibility. Can I tell you something? One of the reasons why I love your pastor and one of the reasons why I love you, because it's not where your heels have been. It's always where your toes are pointing. It's not what goes on behind and what you've done. They're not looking at your past. We're seeing what God wants to do. And here's a girl who walks in this room, and she comes in uninvited. Now, just picture the scene. Stay with me. Picture this scene. Jesus is is reclining at the table. She's heard a message of grace somewhere and gratitude always that comes with grace. And the groom grows silent as she walks in, and Jesus is smiling. It's awkward. I'm telling you, it's just awkward. And everybody knows who she is, even Jesus. And they're kind of wondering why even Jesus knows her. His eyes, his eyes catch her eyes. She's so overwhelmed with grace that tears are dripping off her chin. She can't stand anymore. She drops to her knees. And she notices as her tears drops off her chin onto Jesus' feet, she notices something. Well, there's streaks of mud that, that are on those That's on the feet. Nobody's washed his feet. And she does something. 
she, she takes her hair and she, she pulls that pin out and the hair drops down in the room. You could hear it gasp. <sighs> I mean, that's too, that's too intimate of a, of a gesture for a woman. You can't do that. In fact, you could divorce your wife for doing that in public. And he wipes his feet. And then she's got a flask of ointment on her. Oh, she's used that for so many men, but she doesn't need it anymore. And she just washes his feet, and she starts kissing. And then Luke says, it's not like she just kissed him. She just kept kissing, kept kissing his feet. And Simon is so mad. And Jesus said, Simon, let me ask you a question. He said, okay. He said, there are two men. One, one owes 500 denarii, and the other owes 50. And the and the the, the the one he owes to forgives them both. Which one do you think will love the most? He said, well, I suppose the one that was forgiven the most. He said, you've judged rightly. He said, see this woman? I didn't get a kiss. I didn't get any water for my feet. I didn't get any oil for my head. And she hadn't stopped kissing me. And she's used that expensive ointment on me. And he says, oh, by the way, here's the game changer, woman. You're forgiven. Go in peace. That's a game changer, isn't it? Go in peace. Let me ask you a question. Was it reckless what she did? Sure. Was it impulsive? Probably so. Was it inappropriate? Some people probably think so. Did Jesus love it? <laughs> Did he love it? He loved it. He absolutely loved it. Because he wants to teach us something, and here it is. Don't miss this. For all of us who've been forgiven much, we just love much. See, the gospel will always be seen as scandalous and ridiculous when open worship is publicly displayed. You gave what? What's that guy doing with his hands up? What, what's going on here? So here's my question. Who, who are you like in this story? Well, let me ask you a better question. Who, who would you like to be like in this story? Simon, who's always acting like he's got his act together. Jesus is nice. We're just not sure he's necessary. Focused more on his own goodness and everybody else's goodness. Looks at this woman and can only see, never could see her future. Couldn't even see her present, only saw her past. Oh, what about this woman? A woman that understood sin's indebtedness. She recognized her Savior's worthiness. And she was overwhelmed by salvation's forgiveness. Our Jesus... My friend James Merritt says this, you don't give up your sin and then you qualify for the grace of God. You receive the grace of God and it gives you the power to give up your sin. You know why I love this church? You know why I love this pastor? Because you're at a place 
of a culture that got created here by God through a man and his wife and the family that wanted this place to be a place where everybody could come. Because they believed what the angel told the shepherds, that group of people, you know, that are outcast. You couldn't hold an office. You couldn't vote. You couldn't worship. I bring you good news, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. All people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. It's for all people. You know why I like you? Because you need grace. Because truthfully, it doesn't matter whether you're a, a lawbreaker or a lawmaker. <laughs> it doesn't really matter to us whether you're a liberal or whether you're conservative. It doesn't matter whether you're married once or been divorced twice. You need grace. Whether you're religious or irreligious, whether you're an alcoholic or whether you're a teetotaler, all of us need grace. Let me tell you about this place. I'm like, the instrumentalist, just go ahead and play. We're going to wrap this up, but let me just say this. In this place tonight where you are, and some of you watching even online, listen to me. It's not just for the well-educated and the well-behaved. It's not for the well-mannered and the well-dressed. It's not just for strong and healthy families. It's not just for those who are gainfully employed or those who have great credit scores. This gospel is for all people. No matter who you are, what you've done, how you look or where you're from, you might be here tonight, you might be rejected, or maybe you're dejected. You might be rich, or you might be poor. You might be lovely, you might be lost. You might be hurting, you might be happy. You might be sick, or you might be healthy. You might be one of those rejoicing or those grieving. This is a place for every tribe and every tongue and every nation. It's for the young and for the old and for those not even been born yet. You might be an outcast or you might be part of the inner circle. You might be a victim or you might even be a victor. You might be educated. You might be uneducated. You might be a plaintiff or you might be defenseless. You may be part of the have or part of the have-nots. You may be a homeowner or you may be homeless. It doesn't matter here. You might be a redneck. You might be young. You might be old. You might be single looking to wishing you could be married. You might be married wishing you were Well, you know what I'm talking about. Stand with me, would you please, tonight? You might be here tonight. You might be living on food stamps or you might be living on a trust fund. You might be here tonight and you have a PhD or you're trying to get a GED. You may wear a suit and tie or you know what, you might just prefer ripped jeans and a t-shirt. You might be a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent. It doesn't matter. 
Maybe you grew up Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian or Catholic or Jewish or are you Muslim from another faith? Maybe you love classical music. Maybe you love rap. (laughs) Maybe you love gospel. Maybe you love country. It doesn't matter here. You know why? Because we're a church that believes the gospel's for everybody. Who you like in this story? Would you bow your heads? We're getting ready to walk out in just a few moments. Very soon. I'm going to turn this back over to Travis. He's going to dismiss us. But some of you are here tonight and something stirred inside of you. You've been thinking it was always for somebody else, but it's not. The gospel's for you. And I want to tell you tonight, it's for you. You hear me? It's for you. Travis is going to tell you exactly what you ought to do. You know why I love you? You know why I love your pastor? You know why I love Jesus? Tell you what you all have in common. You love to say grace. And that grace can come to you tonight. And there's nothing you'll ever do to get God to love you any less There's nothing you could ever do to get God to love you more. And there's nothing you've ever done to make God love you less. That's the gospel. Father, I thank you tonight for a church that loves their pastor, loves the Bible, loves the word, loves each other. Thank you for giving us a great night. And Lord, for those tonight that are looking deep inside and saying, hey, I wonder if that could be me. I wonder if I could go in peace and I could have my sins forgiven. You died on the cross to pay the penalty for that sin, and we can. Because you are a Savior to all the people of the world. And we thank you for that. Thank you for listening to the Hope Church LV podcast. If you haven't done so already, go rate and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Have a great rest of your day.